Hi, and thanks for joining us today on the ProGrace podcast, where we're having new conversations about abortion. I'm Angie Wesley. I lead an organization called ProGrace, and our hope with this podcast is that as we take the risk to have honest, non-political discussions about this important issue, you will be inspired to do the same. So today, I'm in Chicago with the, the funny half of the ProGrace leadership, <laughs> Our COO, Denise Stein. Hello, everybody. We were in New York, and you were basically doing stand-up, almost. <laughs> so. I don't mean to be funny. It just comes out that way. <laughs> I know. And we're also here with Laura McAlpine again. Yay! Hi, Angie. Good to have you Hi, back. Hi, Denise. Happy to be back. Yep. We've got such great feedback on the earlier podcasts that we did with you, so we're excited Aww, to dive nice. back in. <laughs> and we actually, this morning, uh, Laura is the principal of McAlpine Consulting for Growth, and she is working with us and facilitated a focus group, I would yep. say, of mm-hmm. pro-choice, um, both health professionals, but also mental health professionals and people from activists, all activists mm-hmm. yes, from all mm-hmm. different fields, and that's what we spent the morning doing, having a common ground conversation which was absolutely awesome. It was stunning. Yeah. And even then, you showed up as the funny half of I the progress leadership. I did yeah. today. Because one woman was leaving. She's like, you're so cute. You're so funny. I was like, <laughs> she didn't say that about me. Right? She did shake your hand. She did. I, know. I was <laughs> yeah. afraid to yeah. hug everybody. You did get a few hugs. Yeah. I did. I got a few. But I was like... Felt so close to people and was going to go hug them and then realized they're not ready. They're not ready for a hug. Well, you never know. They did share a lot of personal information. I was really really impressed by that. Yeah. Yeah. And such great stories. Everybody had such great stories. And yeah. But I mean, we still have a lot of work to do, obviously, which we're probably going to share on a different podcast. I thought I learned some really important stuff that I still have to process. Yeah. No, it was so good. And again, just another affirmation that it is so important that we come together yeah. and have conversations yeah. because we're, we're learning so much about each other and yeah. And that people are willing to share and open up if we can do it in a way that's respectful and yeah. healthy. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, you, you, you were funny today too. You, you inserted some <laughs> things, but I have to tell everyone, I, we have an idiom example. So Denise, I don't know if I've come around and said it in season one, but I'm going to say it in season two. We're, she's going to write a book because she, masterfully twists and combines messes up my, a couple of idioms I, what are they idioms or, I, think they're, I looked them up i think they're, they're called they're idioms so or, we were on the phone yeah. with someone and denise was talking about how we at progress like to do fundraising and how we wanted to be relational yeah. and you said i said because we never want to arm well I was thinking arm something, and the only thing I could think of was we don't want to armchair anybody. But that, but if this was a call-in show, I'd ask you to call in and say, "What is it? Is it isn't there arm something like I'm twisting?" I thought you were trying to say because I did interrupt you, and this was my fault. I'm not going to do it anymore. I saw it coming and was trying to protect her, but I'm going to let them just come out. I think it's you should so let Denise be Denise. I don't think so. I'm having a growth moment right now. Right. Why, why change her? Right. right. Yeah. Like, she needs to sh- bring her authentic self no, to the conversation. To the table. <laughs> to the table. So I was, when I say things like, 
that person looked at me like a deer with a headlight on. Like, you should just let me say that. <laughs> Things like that That's that I am real. known for. That's real. That really happened. Yeah. I like that one. That's a good one. Yes. I really have to remember that. That happened, again, in a big group of people. When I was trying to, it usually happens when I'm trying to seriously make a point, which is. Which is what you were doing on the phone. You were very yes. serious yeah. trying yeah. to let this person know yeah. how much we value this. Yeah. And then we all burst into laughter. Yes. So anyway. people. That's me, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But today, um, we're so glad Laura's back because this is another funny thing. You've listened to all 12 of season one podcasts. I did. And I not only listened, but I took notes. Oh, wow. And I would like pause and then I'd go backwards and I'd listen to it again. Yes. That's awesome. But my thought when I first heard that was if someone had told you 10 years ago (laughs) that you would listen to 12 podcasts on abortion conversations with a bunch of evangelical Christians, <laughs> what would you have I said? Would say, what might have you said? <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 but, and I even really love the theme music. I started getting totally into it. <laughs> it worked. It's it worked. actually a very subliminal by a large institution. That, no, I'm just kidding. Well, I know. <laughs> Tricking me once again. Yes. I will say, I listened to them in order, okay. and I think ours was eight and nine, mm-hmm. perhaps or seven and eight, something like that. And actually it was quite helpful because after the first six, I was a little bit like, oh, you know, this is hard. I'm not sure I can keep doing this. And then I heard us talking to each Mm. other and I was like, right. It was almost like I took a deep breath in and let it all the way up by listening to the three of us talk to each other. And then I could listen to the rest. Okay. Wow. Even as long as we've known each other. And you know, I had that experience today meeting new people talking about this. Things are so easy with you now that I think I've forgotten that those initial feelings of tension and how long these conversations are going to take for people. So we do want to encourage people. I was just reminded today when they were like, oh yeah, the first conversation with a Christian would just need to be like, hi, I'm ready to learn. (laughs) I want to talk about our history. And I was like, oh yeah, we can't jump ahead. We have to let the process Mm -hmm. be the process. And Mm -hmm. we're, the three of us are still in process, which is what today's conversation Mm -hmm. is going to be about. Well, you think there've been what, 40 some years of divide, right? And so it's going to take a while to come together and we can be patient with that and, and just let it naturally take its course and not have high expectations that things are going to change overnight. Right. So we're going to have what could be a challenging conversation today because, Laura, you had some moments of trigger. You had some really positive moments. I thought the lists were always longer for the positive than the triggers, most of them. That might be true, except <laughs> there actually there was triggers. a few conversations, okay. few podcasts where there was no positive. Okay. Mm, so right. I think, I, and I wasn't trying to write down absolutely every single right. sentence, right. but um, yes, there are definitely some podcasts where positive, 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 and then we might, you know, then I might listen to something where it did go for me yeah. negative, yeah. but then go back to positive. Then there were a couple that was just a lot of negative, and I thought, wow, am I going to get to positive? And I sometimes mm-hmm. did. So it actually was an interesting exercise in this idea of listening to people talking about a, a very sensitive topic, but they're talking from a perspective that is not my perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how long can I listen before I want to just turn it off, right? right? Yeah. I, I emotionally want to turn it off or intellectually or whatever. Yeah. And because I knew I was going to listen to the whole thing, and I was going to listen to all 12, I was like, all right, I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was also cognizant of, 
okay, I'm writing these things down. Sometimes doing it as direct quotes, but will this hurt Angie and Denise? Mm. Like, will I say back to them, okay, you two, here's what, also, not just what the people on your podcast said, but here's specifically what I heard you two say, that I went, ooh, ouch. And I knew you were going to read it, so sometimes I was sitting there thinking, should I censor what I say, or should I just write down what I hear? And I thought, well, to be true to our relationship and what we want from each other, I'm just writing it down. Right. And the fact that you could listen, even when you had those moments of, I'm, this is bothering me and that you could, you know, bring your true self and write down the things that really bothered you and bring them to us is really just a testament to the eight years that we've built into each other, that we can do that and it's okay. Right. Yeah. Right. And I knew you would read it trusting me that if I wrote it down, that meant I thought it was useful for our conversation. It was not because I was being antagonistic or it was a throwaway comment, but I thought, okay, here's something we really need. I need to say it to you too. And then perhaps we need to talk about it in more detail. Right. I think it's interesting. You were afraid to write things down because you didn't want to hurt us. Like that's, that's friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, when you, and we'll get into it later, but you briefly had told us one thing that hurt you, you know, how you felt about something that we had said. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I hurt Laura. Mm -hmm. And I felt horrible. And so I think that's the value of knowing each other Mm -hmm. and not again, stereotyping, like, Nobody wants to cause unnecessary pain. So we might as well find out what those things are. Yeah. Right. You know, and work through them. And we'll do that in this conversation. Right. We're not going to stop and edit it. Like, if we say something, yeah. any of us can say, wait, that's not exactly what I meant. Let's mm-hmm. try to go back. Because yeah. we want to be able to get everything on the table and have the conversation. Right. Yeah. But what's interesting about you saying that, Angie, is we don't want to hurt each other because we are in relationship and we care about each other. It's If we don't know somebody, it's easier yes. for us to say something that's hurtful right? and because we don't even know. And so that's just, it just shows that communication is healthier in the context of relationship, Absolutely. especially when you're coming together around things that, that are sensitive or that you might have disagreements over or whatever. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Funny lady. Preach it. <laughs> I can be serious too, everybody. <laughs> so Laura, why don't you dive in with um, what was hard to hear or hurtful or triggering so I think the hardest things to hear for me came from things either Angie said or Denise said um because Denise is pointing at me (laughs) she's equal she's equally leveling the playing field isn't that what we say Jesus did just kidding I'm sure I said something pointing the finger at one of us over there I am not (laughs) and I want to make clear I said Angie and Denise and I do want to clarify language here I said hard to hear I didn't say hurtful so some of the things that I heard you say they didn't hurt me like personally like ouch you said something that hurt me Laura okay If I felt uh, hurt at all, it was, wow, Angie and Denise feel that way. Mm. And that's got to be painful for them because Mm. that's not my worldview. So just to jump in and be very specific about it, it was whenever you guys talked about either being damaged or we're all sinners or we are, you know, uh, somehow getting to this framework that... you're not okay and none of us are like we all come to this world somehow born in sin continue to sin 
and then therefore we're damaged or we're not perfect or you know and and of course like i believe that we're not all perfect we make mistakes that sort of thing but in the context of talking about abortion for me sin is not part of the conversation right right right, i don't believe abortion is a sin i don't believe people make mistakes and it you know when it's about abortion i think women get pregnant for all sorts of reasons, one of which is just biology, you know, especially some women who are incredibly fertile and can be doing everything to not get pregnant might still get pregnant. So I've never been, and then there's a whole issue of power and are people being abused and is that why they're pregnant? So sin for me doesn't enter into the conversation, but for you all, when you were talking to people, especially if it was pastors or it was people who they came into the conversation about abortion specifically from their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. That's when I heard you all talking about sin a lot, talking about evil. And I was thinking to myself, ouch, mm-hmm. you know, for Angie and Denise, like, do they really believe that they're broken, that they have sin, that there's evil? When I see both of you as lovely, wonderful human Aww. beings who are perfectly imperfect. <laughs> so, you know, it, that, that yes. was the part that was hard. And yeah. then by extension, if then people think about women who get pregnant and are considering abortion, and it's all wrapped up in the context of sin, that's when I worry things go off the rails. Yeah. Because that's what I would see in extreme situations where people would be protesting in front of abortion right. clinics yeah. or protesting in state capitals or the Supreme Court. And it would the language was all about sin mm. and evil and damnation and hell. And yeah. So then I just thought, wow, is that Angie and Denise's reality too? Yeah. And do they worry about that for themselves? That mm. somehow they'll go to hell or they'll mm. they'll always be judged. And okay. they have a sense of shame about who they are in yeah. their life. Wow. Yeah. So now how explain to us and to everyone listening, um, how is being imperfect different from how you heard us talk about sin? Because you're, you're saying right. none of us are perfect, but that feels different from you than sin. Why? Right, right. What's the difference? Maybe it's closely tied to my being raised Catholic. Okay. So I did, I was raised Catholic and I attended church regularly until I went off to college at the age of 18. I went to Catholic grade school and high school. So I was definitely, you know, immersed in religious teaching through the Catholic Church. And that was all about sin and mm. hell. Okay. And so if you did something wrong, you sinned and you had to go to confession yeah. and we had to go to confession pretty frequently. Oh. And I remember as a little girl trying to figure out what it, what should I confess? Right. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, I stole a quarter from my dad's dresser to go to Stegg's and buy some candy. Right. That's a true one. Um, and I stole money from my stepfather to buy candy there too. Laura and I actually found out we grew up in the same South Side <laughs> Chicago neighborhood. So funny. And we went to the same candy store. Yes, That's right. Was, was stolen money apparently. With- and clearly we were sinning and needing to confess. Um, so, so sure. And then when I went to college and came out as a lesbian, there was a lot of statements by people who considered themselves quite religious yeah. and conservative that I was a sinner and I would be mm-hmm. yelled at and be, okay. you know, people would say you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell. And like the language was pretty heavy and all about shame and damnation and that sort of thing. So, when I left the Catholic Church and really stepped away from religion in a much bigger way, part of it was because I just couldn't 
really relate to the that language yeah. about sin and evil and hell and I I took an approach that was much more about love and yeah you know the beauty of people and the earth and who we are together while at the same time I went into psychology and social work so I certainly understood people are not perfect sure sure we do things to each other that hurt each other we hurt ourselves yeah. um, we don't always have the best of intentions for each other and our you know, we do things that are wrong. Yeah. So I, I certainly understand imperfection yeah. and that people do things wrong. Right. But I don't tie it up anymore with this sense of there's a God who's judging us and then it's being called a sin and then you have to confess a sin and you have to be forgiven for a sin. And it just seems yeah. something that, you know, I moved away from it in part because of all of the judgment I felt right. in my life around it. Yeah. So for you... Sin um, is is tied with judgment and shame. Right. There was never any good that came out of these conversations. No. Of, you know, mm-hmm. I, I stole a quarter. Will you forgive me? Like, it wasn't that kind of healthy admittance. It was always shame. You're a bad person. Right. Sin. So sin connotates all that for you. Yes. But imperfection doesn't. No. It's mm-hmm. interesting. No, because I do think we yeah. are all sure. perfectly right. imperfect. Like, in... And in my life, uh, as I've gotten older and raised a daughter and got into meditation, like I can certainly sit with the understanding that I'm imperfect and I'm always yeah. a work in progress, mm-hmm. right. but I don't tie it to sin. And so, so when I heard you two saying it, I could have been bringing into it what I was taught about sin yeah. in Catholic school right. and thought, Ooh, is that what Angie and Denise were talking yeah. about? Or I attached it to what I saw at these pro-life protests mm. And I thought, yeah. wow, is that what Angie and Denise think wow. about themselves and what that means for their own yeah. lives? Yeah, which is so interesting because it's like, it, it, it's sin, but it goes goes bigger to your your view of who you thought God was and then your view of how you think these pro-lifers view God, like this God who's coming down and to judging judge. and shaming and there's nothing, He's there, it's not about love and redemption and beautiful new identity and you know because so when angie and i hear that word we 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 see the whole thing and 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 you saw part of it from your own experience and then again what you see in the pro-life community if they're coming across in that way that's shame and judgment and you know that kind of thing so wow right and the only time on the podcast where i felt like what you were presenting was a different completely different from the sin shame side of it was when you would talk about the teachings of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then I thought, well, he doesn't sound like he's doing any of this sin, <laughs> shame, <laughs> evildoer yeah. stuff. And yeah. again, being raised Catholic, I learned a lot about Jesus Christ, but it was in the shame lens, or lens oh, right? Okay. It wasn't wow. in that. I mean, some of it was yeah. certainly Jesus's teacher and right. all of that. But, yeah. um, the way I hear you two talking about Jesus Christ makes sense to me. Wow. The way I hear you talking about evil and sin doesn't make sense All to right. me. So yeah. interesting. Because those words are, are charged. Are tr- mm-hmm. Yeah, because of, again, your experience, which would have been an awful experience to grow up as a little child thinking that you're, you know, you stole a quarter, you're under this blanket of shame and judgment and going to hell, and that's and then the story stops. Right. Yeah. Right. So... Wow. Yeah. Well, what we really believe are the stories of Jesus. Yeah. And I think what you experienced in the sin comments is a linguistic um, confusion. Yeah. Oh, 
I've been having these podcasts with smart people. Wow. Did you hear what linguistic language? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds pretty intense. Or it might not even. What is it? It might not even be real. <laughs> what is a language? No, it could be. We have to ask all the time. We have these really smart people on podcasts. We have to stop them and say, "What's a trope?" Or you know, yeah, like, oh, yeah. that was a good one. Yeah. I was glad yeah. you did that because I was, thought, "Oh, good." Could I they remember don't know what it means like, yeah. anymore? Oh, I know, no. I know. Um, so yeah, so let's start from that common ground. What we firmly believe are the Jesus stories. And so, um, we look at him dealing with sin in a different way than what you experienced, but I want to now find a different word for it Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't trigger you and other friends I have. And so that it makes sense in this context, because it really is about imperfection, um, not about shame, and judgment yeah. because in, in the Jesus story, the final Jesus story is he pays for that. Yeah. He pays right. for all the sin. And so everything is on him, yeah. which is the freedom for people. So for us, it just frees us up to say, mm-hmm. we're not perfect, yeah. but we're perfectly loved right. in this mm-hmm. relationship with him. And yeah. we are wanting to extend his love to everyone. Cause that's how he loves everyone. Mm-hmm. So to us, they aren't mutually exclusive, but yeah. it sounds like, maybe to a lot of people that that is mutually exclusive sin and love. Like, you know what I'm saying? They can't go together. I do. Well, because as in Laura's example, if that's, what's been modeled to them, not only in a particular church world or setting, but in this space of abortion, if that's, what's out there being modeled to people, you know, if, if Christians are standing up there saying these things, well, then that's going to be people's view of Jesus. Yeah. And that's that's what we're why we're trying. That's to, what we're trying to do. Yeah, have these conversations and understand where we've kind of missed the mark. Yeah, and yeah. how how we're going about this. Because yeah. I was raised kind of similar to you, um, and heard that stuff, and so I would instead of walking away, I would do a lot of self recrimination. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I did live under that shame until I more fully understood. Yeah the Jesus stories and everything that he'd done. That's why we're called pro grace. Cause that's the word for mm-hmm. us in those stories. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's what he right. freely gives. That's the antidote yeah. to that. Um, and if it's interesting in listening to Brene Brown, difference between guilt and shame, yeah. you right. know, we see, we see sin as a guilt thing. Like yeah. I made a mistake, not a shame thing. Yeah. Never. I, I never am, am a mistake, yeah. but I want to quit using that word. Right. And maybe I'll just use the word made a mistake yeah. because it sounds like it's so loaded yeah. with shame and identity. I'm a bad person. Right. Yeah. I'm horrible if well, this word it, gets labeled. It was on. interesting in the conversation we had today with what eight or ten women. Um, they've all had, even though they're none of them. I, I I don't think are participating in any church or faith now. They all have had faith experiences in their childhood, and so, and some were were wounding. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, you, you say that word and it, it, go, it takes people back yes. to whatever their experience was. And yeah. sadly, um, there's, there's some negative experiences yeah. out there. So with that, how does that sit with you? Like talk about how you're feeling now hearing us and let's keep exploring this. So, so that helps a lot to, <laughs> to hear that for you, the word sin in of itself has a fuller meaning yes, to it than right. simply hell damnation. Okay. Um, I think the part though that's that immediately makes me want to ask you is do you believe abortion is a sin is a woman who has abortion a sinner you know you start to go down that rabbit hole which in many respects i want to avoid with the two of you because i don't want to hear you say she's a sinner or abortion's a sin yeah um 
even if you do, okay, let's call it a mistake. Is it a mistake for her to have an abortion? Is she a mistake for getting pregnant? You know, yeah. Yeah. all the right. all the ways in which you could start to use the word mistake. Right. Um, because again, pregnancy happens for all sorts of reasons. Right. Yeah. And it, that woman may have been just living her life right. and doing everything that she needed to be doing, should be doing. There's no reason to judge her pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and then her decision about what's the best thing to do with that pregnancy, should we ever judge that? Then I start to think, well, if they're using the word sin, it's probably a short walk to mm. abortion's a sin, she's a sinner, yeah. she's making a mistake, she mm. is a mistake. Mm. Um, so so that also feels really loaded. Yeah. Like that would be a scary conversation yeah. right. for the three you of us. You actually already asked us that question on one of those other podcasts. Because I remember sweating answering it, yes. yes. Well, I want (laughs) to jump in first by saying, if you look at the life of Jesus and what he's called us to do as people who believe in him and follow him, never once has he asked us to judge people. Never once has he asked us to look at somebody else and call out um, in a way that, again, is shaming and judging what they've done because we have to first look at ourselves. So, um, so, I, and I think Angie and I, in, in, in this space, and again, part of the reason we're doing this is because we're asking ourselves, where did all that judgment come from? Mm-hmm. Why is it a part of, of this? Um, when it's not a part of the Jesus right. story. <laughs> so, it's just not there. And secondly, I would say that I think that question now in this time in this in this era is a trap question mm-hmm. because um it is so much more complex and compl- uh, uh, complicated than one woman in one moment in time making one decision and so if we want to talk about mistakes and brokenness and everything else we have to talk about all of it and we can't just wait until it's one woman in that moment in time making a decision and then say that's a sin. Does, so does that e- make sense? Give an example of the complexities that would surround it. What do you um, say? Well, has, has she been sinned against leading up? Or has, you know, have there been things done to her that nobody's paying any attention to that have caused her to come to this place of feeling like she has no way out? Um and and even in our conversations as, as we're talking to churches, have the doors been open for her or shut? Has there been shame and judgment placed upon her from from the church? Well, could we call that sin? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yes. okay, you know, we and um, you know, and just in the way that that women, I mean, in generations, how they've been oppressed and how they've been. Um, in their reproductive years, forced to handle things. And, and, you know, I mean, we have to look at it all and we have to all take ownership for parts of things that have gone wrong, um, if, if that makes sense. So I just won't answer that question anymore because I think it's a trap. Mm-hmm. Do I believe God values all life? Yes, I do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe that all life is valuable myself. Yeah. So everything you said, Denise, makes perfect sense to me. And I think that 
I really appreciate you saying, I don't want to answer the question as a yes or no. Is it a sin? Is it not yeah. a sin? Is she a sinner? Is she not a yeah. sinner? That you understand that a woman who has a pregnancy and she's now trying to figure out what to do about that pregnancy is a very complex situation that's not just about her, but it is about society. Yeah. It is about us as a community. Yeah. Yeah. And that's wonderful because when you're standing somewhere and you're watching people who are, you know, screaming at each other yeah. and showing broken fetuses and, you know, calling people sinners, they're not making it complex at all. Right. It's, right. it's a very extreme position that's yeah. simplified right. and just simply says, you know, stop this, this is wrong. Yeah. Um, so I think, and, and again, this idea that somehow it's okay for religion to be used mm. as a reason to say somebody, not only should that woman not do that, but now the entire society shouldn't do that. Yeah. Is the other part of this that's really troubling yeah. because it's a, again, a short walk from, I believe it's a sin to, I want to change legislation right. so that nobody has access to this. Yeah. In a complex society where we know women with means will always have access to abortion, mm -hmm. low-income women yeah. will be the ones who won't have access right. to abortion right. or young women or, you know, women who do not have a certain advantage yeah. or privilege in society. So right. um, that's and, the other part that sometimes listening to the podcast mm -hmm, where yeah. people were talking about religion so much, it was hard to listen to it and not think to myself, okay, are they going to run right out and hope Roe v. Wade gets overturned? you know, try and pass legislation in their community or in their state yeah. to restrict access to abortion because they, be, like, their religion will make it so that they feel like they're called to do that or yeah. they're forced to do it or yeah. it's, otherwise they're a sinner if they don't go and oh. somehow make something happen. Like, it, it triggers the extreme yeah. is what I sometimes worry about when I'm listening to that language. Even though we say we're having non-political conversations yeah. about abortion yeah. and this is all in the context of a church, you still, those are so tied mm -hmm. in your sure. mind right. from your experience. Right. Well, from your experience with, with evangelicals. And I don't know if we talked about this we on did. the podcast before of, of you being yelled at and spit yeah. at. And, you know, so yeah, yeah that's, that gets cemented in your mind when right. you're treated that way. You know? Well, in this whole thing of a trap, one of the Jesus stories that we love to we share in the training is there was a woman caught in adultery. Did you know the story? Uh, keep going. Okay. Am I? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I love him. And so the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, bring her before Jesus, and they say, and it says, oh, he says, Jesus, she was caught in the act of adultery. The law says we should stone her. What do you say? And it says right there they were using the question as a trap, mm -hmm. which is to what you said about yeah. trap. Is this coming back now? Now I remember. <laughs> he who was without sin cast the first stone. Yeah. I went to Catholic school. You just quoted a verse. Did, you <laughs> did I that? did I twist it at all? No, no you got it right. <laughs> Brilliant. It wasn't I an armchair. It probably <laughs> it was you didn't armchair. And I didn't armchair you. You, you said that twist. freely. <laughs> <laughs> so that whole idea is they were trying to trap him, and there's all types of things wrong with that story. First of all, if she was caught in the act of adultery, <clears throat> There was someone else there. Right. That the law actually said he should be disciplined with her, right? Mm -hmm. And then they were trying to, to rile the crowd up. And and Jesus offers this third way, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. that's the point of what we're trying to do. Yeah. And what Denise is saying is like, he then just shocks everyone by saying, mm, anybody perfect, go ahead and be the one to throw a stone at right. her. Mm -hmm. And completely levels the playing field, saves her life, diffuses the situation. Um 
that's what we're trying to do. So would you be okay with us having, you know, religious beliefs that say God ideally has this great plan for humanity and I mess it up myself and, you know, we all mess it up. And so we just want him to come and bring healing Mm -hmm. to our places, our mess, but we would never call a person. So I think it's interesting. You're like, if she made a mistake, is she a sinner? Hearing how Mm -hmm. that is, attached to that yeah, her and identity that's been yeah. our journey with yeah. with jesus is actually i have a new identity yeah. of not worrying about that because he's paid taken for all it. that yeah. yeah he's taken it yeah. so that i'm able to engage with people yeah. freely without yeah. worrying about judging them yeah. but i can still have a framework of it would be better in this world if this this and this didn't yeah. happen yeah. Mm-hmm. for the sake of people who i love mm-hmm. could, could, is that something to to get your mind around, because I'm apologizing for, I guess, millennia of some Christians who've put making a mistake or not being yeah. perfect in intertwined that with identity right. and you're a bad person when you never see mm-hmm. Jesus do that, especially like in that story. Right. Like the only people he was kind of harsh with were the religious people. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he said to her, I don't condemn you either, you know, mm-hmm. so. How does that, does that sit better or is that still going to be hard for you to hold and be like, no, not at all. And in fact, I think one of the nice things about our friendship is working with the two of you now for eight years or so has helped me to heal or repair. It's Mm -hmm. probably heavy words, but this idea that whatever I learned from the Catholic church that I have rejected or whatever experiences I've had where I've been judged for being a feminist, being a pro-choice activist being a lesbian you two have really helped me to reframe that so to speak and understand that that was a group of people Mm -hmm. that were being really extreme that's not the totality of religious people Mm -hmm. and of course I knew that at the time but I also was like okay right I don't need to engage with people with religious views because this is where, it, you know, it always yeah. goes bad. Right. <laughs> it's always going to go down some right. lane that's going to end up bad. Yeah. So yet at the same time in my own personal journey, while I haven't engaged in organized religion, I've certainly raised my daughter to be uh, participating in a Unitarian church. Yeah. I've meditated um, every day for years. I've gone to uh, a Buddhist temple to engage in meditation there. I have never come back to thinking, okay, I want organized religion in my life. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't believe in uh, the power of something greater than human beings. Yeah. Right? right, I, right, I right. believe there's something greater, yeah. bigger, mm-hmm. or just mysterious or amazing yeah. because, yeah. you know, here we are on right. Earth, right? Right, right, right. So, and I've also along the way come to respect people with religious beliefs that call them to their work in the same way it calls the two of you. Mm. And I would not have said that before my work with the two of you. Wow. And I think I've said that on the podcast before, just where certain uh, social service agencies and health centers that were religiously affiliated, I just stayed away from them. I don't do that anymore. I engage with them. In fact, some of my favorite health centers now actually have a a Christian affiliation. But um, so hearing, you know, from the perspective of your belief in who Jesus Christ was and his teachings I'm all in listening to that and being able to walk beside you in this work. Does that mean I will now become a follower of Jesus Christ? Probably not. I wouldn't, it's, it's like I study, uh, what the Dalai Lama says, what Thich Nhat Hanh says, what 
Martin Luther King says, you know, what Maya Angelou says, uh, what Sojourner Truth says. Like, I yeah. I read a lot of what people have had to say. Yeah. I don't necessarily then feel that I need to have a organi- organized religion or yeah. a religious institution right. in my life in that way. But you'll hang with us. And, I'll hang and you with know you. what we believe, and you're okay with it. And we can I'm talk. not just okay. I mean, I really, I applaud both oh, of you for okay. your religious beliefs. It's not like I'm sitting here thinking, oh, they're okay, but too bad they're religious. <laughs> they're, they're those people. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I yeah. don't believe that yeah. at all. In fact, I think it's pretty exciting yeah. that the three of us are trying to do this work together. Yeah, I do too. Good thing yeah. you guys have the religion thing going on because <laughs> then you get to talk to yeah, folks who yeah. otherwise I wouldn't normally yeah. talk to. Yeah. yeah. And you know, so, and I actually, I really don't like the the word religion or religious. That's like a oh, trigger word no, for what's me. What's wrong with religion? Because religion? to me, it connotates a man-made, organized uh, structure that... There are things you have to yeah. do to become a better person. Right, and that throughout the centuries has been so misused and abused. And um, again, I don't, I don't think of, of Jesus as and Christianity as a religion. To, yeah, to really? me, yeah, to me, that's, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's what I believe. It's my way of life. But yeah, I don't like the word religion. Cause again, I think when I hear that word, it reminds me of, of bad things that have happened mm. in big institutions that have, have gone wrong because institutions are made of men and women who, who don't get things right a lot of the times, you know? Well, it's funny you should say that because actually, so the next thing on the podcast that triggered me, besides the sin, evildoer stuff, was the conversation about organized religion. And I I felt in a way like both the two of you and some of the people on the podcast were minimizing the power of the church that they were affiliated with. And I thought to myself, why are they minimizing the power of that institution? Oh. Because it can be very powerful, both for good and for bad. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I felt like all of you were saying, well, we didn't know that people were doing these unethical or oh. misleading things. Um, we didn't know that there were these bad things happening as part of these institutions. And I thought, well, how come I knew and you guys didn't know because you're part of it. Were we talking about it in the context of when we first started this work? I can't remember. It was Connected to okay. starting the work. It was also connected to when you first started talking to churches yeah. and to uh, crisis pregnancy centers. Yeah. Just, I, I thought, but, you know, some of these organized churches have millions of dollars and they're writing legislation and they're writing sex ed curriculums and they're getting people elected to office and they're, yeah. they're creating a situation where now across the country, yeah. 26 states or a certain number of states have passed restrictive abortion laws. So that's a lot of power. Right. But listening to you all on the podcast, it didn't sound like you understood how the organized yeah. church had been using their power to make yeah. certain kinds of policy change and raising money. And I thought, so that made me wonder, well, how come you didn't know that? <laughs> talking about the organized evangelical church? Yes. Yeah, I think that's so funny because we see it as so decentralized because the evangel unlike the Catholic church that is, you know, under one pope, the Protestant 
Uh, they're all more well there are big denominations there are some big protestant denominations but we didn't grow up in those yeah so um we grew up i grew up in a smaller denomination and and denise spent 30 years at a non-denominational church which i've also been to as well so we literally don't see oh i sound like um (laughs) rob Lowe from i've been watching a lot of parks and rec literally literally literally, my son will love that um we 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 didn't we don't think about it that way and i i wonder what you're seeing if it's more on the policy side so in a sunday sermon i never heard a policy discussion about abortion did you right so i wasn't thinking of my church leaders quote-unquote church leaders writing policy because that was never talked about so i don't know who's organized and where yeah but i don't necessarily think it's at the pastoral level unless i'm just completely naive and don't right. know it well Does like today sense? today you raised that at the crisis pregnancy center you worked at they had pamphlets from focus on the family yeah we're, yeah. we're not naming organizations Oops. but yes they did <laughs> that's sorry that's all right i, I did i didn't name the crisis yeah, pregnancy but they're not center. A church. <laughs> i worked really hard to not name it yeah, yeah. and this wasn't about policy right. it was something on the no that's um, that's, sure. that's, good that's all that i'll talk to anybody at focus yeah. on the family about yes but they're not a um they're not a church so you see them as a, were they writing policy? Yeah. And they okay. come out of churches. Yeah. yeah. And so. Yeah. So interesting because in my naive yeah. head, they're separate. No. no. So just like you yeah. understood better than I did that Christ behind every crisis pregnancy center is a church. Many. That's funding many. them. Okay. Yeah. Many churches. Yeah. So, okay. Not all necessarily. But if there's a crisis pregnancy center, there's a church that's connected to it yeah. and is supporting it, right? And you understood that. At the time, I didn't when I oh, first okay. came to yeah. understand crisis pregnancy centers. And so the thing to understand is that groups who are doing organized policy work from a conservative religious perspective, behind them are also churches. Yes, that's right? true. Right? So true. that's an analogy, yeah. I think, that yeah. is really true. And so to say, well, that's not what my church does, yeah. or that's somehow that's disconnected yeah. it's yeah. not and and you're right the power of that of churches coming together and then funding policy work and lobbying and media campaigns and all of that has yeah. resulted in the landscape being really different around abortion in the last yeah. 15 years and certainly the folks that have now been given authority inside federal agencies that are doing restrictions on things like how Title X funding can be used and whether physicians can now talk about abortion or not comes directly from organized conservative religious groups. Yeah. And then via the policy think tanks that then place the people into those positions right. once they had alignment with the politicians yeah. who were getting elected and had the power to name them. Yeah. So when you see those organizations, you just think churches, Christians, kind of all in one bucket. Yeah. Okay. You know what is is so great about even this is just like with anything, and I think, and I can I'll put myself in this camp of being a churchgoer and a Christian for many many years. You, you okay? Let me see if I'm going to get this one right. <laughs> All right. You can't. Sometimes you don't see. Is it the for, the trees the forest? <laughs> whatever the trees in the forest. Thanks. What is that one? You said it earlier. The forest, the forest. for right. the trees. Okay. Remember right. in yeah, this yeah. morning okay. you got it right. Got it right. You weren't as tired as okay. you are now. Right. Well, whatever that thing I've is. robbed you of your confidence. The, I'm so sorry. Whatever that thing is. <laughs> and if we don't get out of our insulated world view circles 
and continue to, you know, get different perspectives and understand from other people how they view what's going on or, you know, then we, we, we just lose our, our edge and our ability to just to engage in a healthy way in this world. And so I think some of, of what you experience from us is, yeah, we probably, we don't, we don't know. And we've I, not, I want to we've do not connected research. those dots yes, and because, because wanna... we sit in our church and our church doesn't mm-hmm. say anything right. about policy. Our right. church doesn't. And, you know, and so we don't, yeah. And we're not in that climate of, of work on the policy side. Yeah. So right. yeah, we, we, we didn't connect the dots. Yeah. And you know, too, that when we talk to people on the far right, they think the same thing about the left, yeah. right? right? So there's right. this idea of there's some evil conglomerate yeah. running everything, yeah. which you would probably say it's much more decentralized than that. So right. there's some balance to this too, that part of this is amped up by the rhetoric on both sides yeah. that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think I am learning that from you two in this more recent year. And yeah. the podcasts were my first inkling mm-hmm. into that yeah. where I thought, wait a minute, how come they don't get their part of this big organized thing? Yeah. Like they, don't, they don't get it. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. in the trenches over there. Yeah. Don't they understand what they're supposed to be doing next? Right. Haven't yeah. they gotten the memo? Right. But, <laughs> um, from the king. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you're right that it's also a, probably a distorted view that I've had in the years of doing policy work and, you know, clinic work and direct access to healthcare that has me, you know, putting everything in a, in a much smaller box than is true. And you keep providing complexity. Yeah. Oh, thank you. you. My, hus- do you. my husband yeah. says I keep providing complexity. <laughs> yeah. so it must be my gift in life. Sorry, go ahead. And I do think, yeah, I, I, would agree I do with think, that. and maybe we won't have time on this podcast no. or maybe we do, but this yeah. idea that you all should be talking to me about, and here's our understanding of how, people who are pro-choice or consider themselves on the left politically, how they have also judged people who consider themselves um, pro-life or are Christian or conservative or whatever the case may be. I think you're right. We should talk about that at some point, too. We could do that next. We're at 45 minutes. So let's stop this. Um, But maybe we'll do that podcast next. Yeah, that's good. After I move my chickens around. Oh, yeah. That's (laughs) right. right, Take care of our chickens. Any other last thoughts? Uh, No. Because last last time I started the music too soon and Denise kept talking. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. She cut me off. (laughs) And then you think you talked after it. Here it comes. All right. Thanks, you guys. This was so great. Thank you. And I hope that everybody listening feels empowered to go out and throw out a question, start a conversation um, so that we can know each other and so we can make the world a better place for both women and children. Thanks so much for listening.